Welcome back to another take from We Killing It. I'm Tyler. I'm Matt. Tindy. Before we go into today's episode, I just wanted to take a second to say thank you so much for listening, squad, and for helping this show by liking on YouTube or leaving a five-star ratings and positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show get on the charts and for more people like us to discover it. So thank you again so very much. And without further ado, on to the fun. What is going on, squad? Today we're on part two of the three-part series we're going to do on the M. Night comic verse. Today's episode is on Split, a 2016 M. Night Shyamalan film starring James McAvoy, Anya Taylor-Joy, Betty Buckley, Jessica Sula, and Haley Lou Richardson. The director of photography is Mike, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm saying this wrong, Gilakis, and it is a Bloomhouse production. Now, I would like to start this episode off with uh, a series of spoiler warnings, as well as a couple of trigger warnings. Uh, this film shows captivity, inappropriate conduct with a child, sexual assault, uh, and murder, as well as someone battling with uh, dissociative identity disorder, or DID. Uh, now, there is a 16-year gap between this movie and the last one, and luckily, you didn't have to wait that long. <laughs> yeah. That would not be ideal. <laughs> no, that's definitely not the strat. No. It, it's hard. It was a hard watch the first go around when there was so much space between the movies. So, oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Jeez. Like, wait, why are we here? What? No, I got to watch it again. Uh, the film starts off. Uh, with a birthday party for Claire, who is played by uh, Haley Lou Richardson. Her classmate, Casey, who is the incredible Anya Taylor-Joy, was invited out of pity. Um, you know, Claire tells her father that Casey leave. Casey frequently gets into trouble with teachers and is, like, sent to detention all the time. I really love how nice the dad is. Like, the girls are, like, an interesting version of a mean girl. But, I mean, yeah. at least, at least, like, they invited Casey. So he's kind of proud, kind of worried. A little disappointed. Uh, a little, yeah. little bit of all like, it. He's like, come on, guys. Like, I I'll raise you better than this. <laughs> right? Like, um, even the visual framing they did there at the first scene, you know, she's at the end of the table. Everyone's talking and having fun. There's a plant between the audience and the actor. So there's just a huge gap between how she connects with people. Oh, for sure. Casey calls for a ride home, but is told the car broke down. She offers to take the bus, but Claire's dad insists that she go home with them. Yeah, he's he's like, nah, nah, I'm not leaving you here. Like, you're not taking the bus, bro. I've got a car. The girls leave along with another friend, Marsha, who is played by Jessica Sula. Uh, Claire's dad is approached by an unseen person. Kevin didn't yeah. kill the father. He just knocked him out. And moments later, a man, Kevin, or James McAvoy, gets into a car. He It took like the girls so long to notice that Kevin was in the car. Because, like, yeah. like... They're just talking. Yeah, because, like, I mean, uh, Casey noticed right away. But oh, yeah. but like, she but, saw the food knocked over out back. 
Yeah, but the other two girls in the back, like they were talking for a good whole minute before they even realized that this was a different dude. Yeah, they were like, "Excuse, excuse me, sir, you got the wrong car." Um, and then why was Dennis ignoring Casey in the car? I don't get. Uh, if you later on in the film, it's actually mentioned that Kev, not Kevin, but uh, that Dennis had been watching the girls for a long period of time. He had scoped them out and been been collecting data and watching them to find the right moment for them to strike. I believe, and, I believe, for four days he said. Yeah, so I I oh, think wow. that Casey wasn't part of the initial numbers and she wasn't a threat until she went to open the door ah yeah so casey slowly attempts to open the door to get out but as soon as she tries to open it kevin gets her too they use uh, he uses some type of uh toxin or spray to knock them out uh kevin it's wild it works so fast it yeah. works so fast <laughs> And when the old lady wakes up after it, she's all groggy and messed up too. So like, it looks like it it like does some does a number on you. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is pretty smart. Maybe it's some some cocktail of his own to knock you out. Oof. Bro, that's so That'd scary. Scary. That's so scary. <laughs> Kevin brings the girls into a windowless room in an unknown location. Right away, Casey tells Marsha to pee herself. I really love how collected Casey is. She pays right. attention to her surroundings and she really does seem to know like the best choices to make. Right, because she see she's seeing uh Dennis here. We we don't know that it's his name yet, but he, he is Dennis. He's more of a strict and uh OCD germaphobe, as we can see, because he's always wiping shit down before or wiping stuff down before he's um touching anything like doors he mm -hmm. brings a chair into the room before he takes one of them and he's wiping off the chair before he sits down and everything and and he's just like okay i want you first and then that's when he's taking the girl she's fighting back and runs up to casey and that's when she's like you gotta pee yourself because she's she knows that he's a germaphobe he's gonna absolutely freak out if she pees on herself Mm -hmm. And and it works. She she gets away, and you know she comes back all covered in, in piss. But the guy's like Jesus Christ, and this throws her back into the room. I don't I don't know what civilians do, but I've been to a couple of military um like briefings where they are explaining like if somebody's trying to do something to you that you don't want them to do, you know, pee or defecate on yourself, and that will like give you. A moment to slip it's it really might. right it might it might give you a moment to slip and it, it's just really cool that a i don't know like a 16 year old girl knew that information already yeah more, more sad than than cool well you're right it's it's a it's a it's a sad comment on our <laughs> on our society yeah. <laughs> so claire goes we should fight him and that is not the response. <laughs> like, not at all. And... I took karate. <laughs> For yeah, six like, months took, of like, half a class. I took Kempo at the Y. <laughs> uh, Claire, 
she tells the other that Kevin, when when Marsha comes back into the room, she tells the others that Kevin wanted her to dance for him. And later we find out that Barry, or not Barry, but um, that Dennis, who is, like Matt said, he's OCD and a germaphobe, but he's also a rapist and a murderer. And one of his things is, is he likes to force young girls to dance for him. And that's what he was trying to do with Marsha. Ugh, it's so gross. It's just so gross. Claire says they need to fight back together to get out. But Casey is calm and she says they need to find out what they are there for before they can make any sort of move. You know, we need to figure out why we're here before we can figure out how we're going to get out. Right. You need to be able to find what he's looking after so you can work around it. You have to get the, get more information before you start just running at doors. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, pretty soon after this, we see a flashback in which a five-year-old Casey, uh, she's played by Izzy Lee Co- Coffee, uh, is with her father, played by Sebastian Arcelius, and her uncle... Uncle John, Brad William Henke. And I know you heard me hesitate there, but I didn't want to call him John because he's just a gross, gross person. They yeah. are straight to, bo- the chair. <laughs> straight to the chair. Man. They are both hunters and they teach Casey how to hunt. Uncle John talks about hunting a deer, but being distracted by the buck. They do a good job of showing Casey's past and showing how she would turn into a natural survivor. She had a lot of stealth instincts and strategy taught to her at a very early age. And just gun training. And you can really tell, I mean, I know most fathers love their daughters, but you can really tell, like, he really loves his little girl, and he really loves spending time with his girl. It's kind of a cute little uh, moment that we get to he's, see. He's just so happy that she actually she finally wanted to come out with him and do this with her. Yeah. So, a therapist, uh, Dr. Fletcher played by Betty Buckley, is watching a news report on the three missing girls and how Claire's father woke up to find the girls and his car gone. Dr. Fletcher then receives an email from someone named Barry saying that they need to speak and it's urgent. Barry is really one of Kevin's multiple personalities. In fact, this alter is a sketch artist with a heavy Boston accent. He meets with Dr. Fletcher regularly in this persona. Dr. Fletcher ignores so many signs when we see her with Kevin for the first time, and she keeps mentioning things that are weird to her, and I feel that as a doctor, so concerned with DID that she would be paying way more attention to these signs. Right. She would She would definitely already know. Like, she would be able to, especially if it's her patient from multiple appointments that go before this like off screen like she should she should know like she even stated that she was concerned and she just completely just okay whatever <laughs> once he said i'm doing great yeah she's just like all right bye it was a mistake in in my in in my in my opinion it was a mistake to just let it go she should have brought it up and she should have tried to push a little more but i'm not a th- therapist or a psychologist i'm not even smart enough to be one so that's just not, it's just my opinion. 
So like she's got her misgivings about it, but she seems to not trust her instinct. Like she's not quite sure she she's talking to. She's pretty sure it's not Barry, but until she can put a name to it for some or to the person she was talking to rather, she doesn't want to really say anything, which I don't know if that's just her experience there or working with his altars. Mm-hmm. It just seems like she moved way too slow on it. Mm-hmm. I agree, especially with her opinions that she brings up about how their mental state can be an empowerment. Mm-hmm. So Candy brought up, you know, we're not supposed to talk about the movie when we watch the movie, but sometimes it's hard. And Candy brought up a point kind of later in this film, but it does have to do with what we're talking about when she goes She's in that conference and she's talking about how like they they're like what they believe is real is real. And then, you know, later she's like, this can't be real. There has to be limits. And like right. this, this again is an, another a point of her where she like studies this thing so completely, but she looks past. Still misses it. Exactly. Exactly. The girls, we cut to uh, back into this hell room with the girls continuing to try to find a way out. They look through a crack in the door and see what appears to be a woman talking to their captor. Claire and Marsha immediately call out to the woman for help. And we hear her say, Jesus, how many do you have in there? <laughs> she approaches the door, but then we find out it's just Kevin wearing a skirt and high heels. This altar is known as Patricia, a polite and very respectable British woman. Brit- I Patricia, will say, little little bit I mean, twisted. A little twisted. Kevin, but Kevin does kill it in that in that skirt and high heels, bro. For real, for real. James McAvoy does kind of look good <laughs> in that outfit with the turtleneck. My favorite one is later in the movie with. Uh, with her shawl. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that we don't ever see Patricia in the type of clothes that we probably should be seeing her in. But, like, she's so buttoned up. Like, even when she, like, comes out and she's wearing just that button-up shirt and she, like, closes it and fixes it more so that it goes all the way to the neck. Like, this is a proper lady. You know Modest what I mean? lady. Like- yep. Yep. She's really sweet, but kind of twisted. And <laughs> uh, Patricia assures the girls that their captor knows why they are here and that he is not allowed to touch them. Oof. It's scary. The, the whole, like, mm. their, the look on their faces when they see Miss Patricia, like, oh... They're all in the corners of the room. Like they're yeah. hugging the walls right now. Yeah. Back away. It yeah. was unsettling there there is them. a shock. Like they were expecting to see a woman. <laughs> and when they saw Kevin, it was just a whole nother thing. Yeah, Ugh. just oh, oh no. I really uh. love how quick Casey seems to like just take it in and be like, okay, that's a new wrinkle. Well, this one is different. Got it. All right, go for your conference via Skype. Okay, so from there, after we get through Patricia's uh, entrance, (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, we see the same therapist, Dr. Fletcher, who was talking to Barry, talking in a Zoom call to these, to an audience in an auditorium, and there were also some other doctors, it looked like, on podiums. And the quote here, she's talking about DID and how she believes that their minds may be more than the normal human because they can unlock certain potentials that we cannot. And here it is. One identity is an individual with dissociative identity disorder can have high cholesterol. One, there have been cases where one identity is allergic to bee stings and the others are not. And then one of the doctors comes up with a question. They are, and this is, are there moments where two identities can co coexist at the same time? She replies, there are times when two identities can take the light or the spot or consciousness at the same time. This happened with the student that I was working with and her left and right hand were taking notes in different handwritings about separate things at the same time. The differences in identities can be dramatic as much as the difference between you and me and every person in that auditorium. The identities have different IQs. They have different physical strengths. One personality is a Russian weightlifter that can lift three times his body weight. Their ability to hyper-focus and have different experiences is astounding. Have these individuals, through their suffering, unlock the potential of the brain? Is this the ultimate doorway to all things we call unknown? Is this where our sense of the supernatural comes from it's about its depths and curves it's it's very interesting to me because this is kind of like the placebo effect but like times a hundred you know what i mean oh yeah you believe it you can do it right exactly or the mother lifting the car off the baby it's it's that right it's that inner part of our brain saying you can do this so just do it and and they right. do it you know i have this theory you know where it's basically along the lines of this we evolve out of necessity and if as long as you can you know really focus and convince yourself what is necessary as what these personalities are doing kevin is convincing himself that these personalities are necessary to be who he is and what he is so they're yeah. just manifesting out of it. You know, if you can you can do that with anything, then you can do anything. Yeah. Casey talks to Hedwig in an attempt to get him out to get out of there by telling him that Patricia and Dennis are still mad at him and that he's in trouble. I I love how she does this because she she like gets she's like, wait, don't don't go. I'll I'll tell you something. Like I know something. Come come here and I'll whisper it to you and you know she's he's just like what and <laughs> this entire <laughs> he's this so cute he's real cute but this entire time that he's like all the way over in the middle of the room now i just think that the other girls there could have just do -do 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 -do, got in yeah. there and then you know claire claire's a badass she probably could have thrown thrown little nine-year-old uh headwig off of her and then run in there and then they could have locked him in there because we do see later that 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 
Hedwig is like trying to push the door open and he can't. And then when he switches to Dennis, he just slides those like the two girls like right out they of the just way. Heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's um, weird how his personalities change his physicals. And that's what the doctor is talking about as well. Cause there there's one personality, I don't remember the name exactly, but they have uh diabetes. type two diabetes. Yeah. And they have to take insulin, but no other personalities that's, need to do that. That's Jade. Yeah, Jade has diabetes. So I, I think it's also you gotta take a second to give James McAvoy all of the acting chops. I like all of them. I like he when he when Casey tells Hedwig that he's in trouble, tears fall from Hedwig's eyes, and like there's like this look of immediately, yeah. There and there's this look of shame on his face, and it's just like if you were to tell a little boy he was in trouble and that he had mm -hmm. done something wrong, mm -hmm. and James McAvoy destroyed. <laughs> all of these and roles the coolest thing about his tears too he didn't have to squint his eyes in any way nothing nope. like you could not see that he was making those come out like it, <laughs> it looked like a natural cry from a little boy yeah it's all slow and pitiful and you're just like oh damn because yeah, he's so excited he's hurting him yeah he's so excited to have people to talk to he's like really morally gray about their situation i think yep. that's kind of a crossover of his age and survival instinct because he's just making the most of or the best of his situation friends. he wants friends i do Man. think it's cool about his his power though he has the power to take the light at any time so mm -hmm. he can just he can just step in and become Hedwig whenever he wants. That's neat. And I think I think later on we see that he's the only one that has a room out of all the personalities. And I think like my little theory on this is that you know he switches to Hedwig when whenever he wants, and then he he's just slowly built up his room, and then he goes and just plays in there with all his toys or does whatever he wants until someone is just like okay give me the light yeah it's neat he's the baby he gets to yeah he gets to play around he gets priority yeah after this Hedwig leaves and the girls start looking for a way out through the walls Claire finds a hollow spot in the ceiling and starts breaking off the plaster Hedwig starts to come back but Casey and Marsha hold the door back as Claire tries climbing out and it's so funny because we see Claire huck herself from a full hang all the way up into the vent twice because she fell the first time. So yeah. after doing it the first time, she had enough strength to do it again. And I like, I understand emotional strength and I like, I, I understand survival survival strength. instincts and everything but like but like, she turned it. into a feral cat she a maybe. i don't, I don't know what she does at school she like, was also in heels remember yeah. that to get extra height to reach the vent man she was jumping on a bed in heels and landing in heels so kevin reverse back to dennis as claire starts crawling through the vents and then he pushes the door and they literally just slide out of the way yeah, uh, there is a huge strength difference between Hedwig and Dennis. Yeah, she finds oh. an exit and starts running for what? 
the exit man i was so disappointed in the exit like how are you gonna drop out of the first vent hole you see the very first i would have i told you i would have slept in that vent and and <laughs> waited like two hours because he wouldn't have looked in the vent like i would have been there like for at hours. least a day bro at least 24 <laughs> hours i'd be like okay he's not here no more or i'll wait to hear him leave and i'll be like okay <laughs> Let's move sneak, a few feet. Sneak, sneak, sneak. <laughs> Don't so, be suspicious. Don't she be drops suspicious. down and hides in what we find out later to be Kevin's um, locker. She. <laughs> Why are you going to get in a metal box that echoes everything? Right. right. She's over here. Her, like... trembling, her oh. trembling breath is so loud <laughs> that it alerts Kevin or Dennis. Like he, I'm sorry. He ran past full tilt. Yep. I still heard her turned around like he was like wait a minute that didn't sound like my breath what the fuck he pulls Claire out of the locker and he tells her to take off of her shirt because it's dirty and he this isn't the first time that he's done this and I understand it's part of his OCD but I can't figure out if it's part of his OCD and it's because he's a pervert or or what but well he was kind of ashamed of it too you know he was like please just please please take it off you he know, like get he... in trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because the they were get upset at him, and you know the girls are there for a specific purpose. He mentions a couple times, "I'm trying to be good." Miss Patricia got after him. Yeah, Miss Patricia did get after him. She's like, "Don't you dare! That is not for you." I'm like, oh. And then, the doctor <laughs> also says that in like when the others have talked to her or something i think through the emails they said that dennis had been trying to get better for a long time with little success mm. yeah because he, he knows what he does it. is wrong yeah he just can't help it well i mean you know what i mean yeah so he then locks claire in a room by herself she no longer is in the same area as casey and marcia I would say that, to me, from an acting standpoint, Hedwig is definitely the most impressive character. There is the random things that Hedwig says and the reactions that he make that he makes make me forget that I am looking at a man playing a child, and I just see the child. Very immersive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just... Casey, Casey's so damn smart. She strategizes and flows with them really well. Exactly. And she actually understands how to get an emotional response from Hedwig. She's playing in with him very well to get his trust slowly, even if he is having doubts. Mm -hmm. I, I will say in that shot when Casey, I mean, I'm sorry, when Claire is inside the locker and that shot where it's like through the vent holes of the locker. I've seen that in other movies and I always love it. Like that's just such a <laughs> suspenseful and scary shot. Just, just, is he, is he almost here? Yeah. Oh my God, where is and he? And like where Kevin or where Dennis is keeping these people, where Kevin lives, there's literally no concept of time. Like I lived in a basement apartment one time where like there were no windows it was so hard to wake up in the morning because you just had no concept of time. Right. So like I couldn't, and then when he locks Claire inside that room, that light's just on. So like, there's no, like, 
that sounds it's awful like it'd be hard to sleep it'd be hard to like and when you wake up you wouldn't know what time it is it's just that whole concept loss of time is that would be terrible it would be so disorienting and exhausting honestly it seemed like casey was the only one who was able to sleep through it all though yeah you know, she used other... to camp in yeah and dennis dennis has a really good line at this point because he goes uh you shouldn't trick children that shows who you are you know because because yeah. to them that personality is a child because you know they're all sitting in that circle of chairs and they all see each other when they're not in the light right it's it's a cool is it's a it's a full he is a child picture he hasn't... like this film is like a full painted picture we get like if there's a question there's an answer you know in another session with Dr. Fletcher, Kevin returns as Dennis playing Barry. Dr. Fletcher doesn't believe she's really talking to Barry. She has noticed certain characteristics that, that Barry is displaying normally seen in other alters like Dennis, such as OCD. Barry insists that he's gotten better. Dr. Fletcher then mentions that Kevin has 23 distinct identities. Kevin is be- Kevin then becomes Dennis, as Dr. Fletcher mentions the 24th identity, the beast. And she also had to kind of stroke Dennis's ego a little bit in order to get Dennis to come out. Because when he drops the act, he sits up so straight and he's yeah. just so touched. He does. He's so touched because, you know, the Dr. Fletcher talks about how like you guys were necessary for Kevin to be able to survive a terrible childhood and to survive that horrible mother. And Dennis is proud of that, you know, because that was his job. That's the reason he was created. He's been helping Kevin since Kevin was three. He might be the very first one. I'm not sure if they go over who who was first or what, but... The way it's spoken, I think Dennis is the first one. I'd say this yeah. conversation between Dr. Fletcher and Dennis is really incredible. And like McAvoy's action is just it it's chef's kiss. Like it's it's like it's awesome. Awesome. So Patricia brings Casey and Marsha out for some food. <laughs> and this whole scene is real weird. I think she tried to mother hen them like I calmed them down. Marsha is forced to remove her skirt and Casey takes off her flannel shirt. Patricia brings the girls into a dining room and starts to make another sandwich. She says, I've heard Asian people's music can aid in digestion. And I was curious if that was just like a weird statement. Uh, And I actually found a research study stating that slow music can stimulate relaxation and digestion, where fast music can stimulate your fight or flight reflex making digestion more difficult slow music can cause you to eat slower and fast music can encourage you to eat more she's trying to calm them down by being just the motherly calming presence but she's also trying to use the music too to help that atmosphere mm-hmm. yep and she lights candles all the time mm-hmm. Bro, but, i mean does. Candles candles do smell good. We got some today. They hit the spot. For real. They're awesome. Uh, 
So she becomes upset when she accidentally cuts the sandwich crookedly, which is interesting because that means that she too also has a scotch of OCD. Man, she gets she gets upset, upset Bro, too. Bro, she like, chops that knife hard. What? No, I think they're sharing. She and Dennis are sharing in the kitchen. Dennis was upset because she apologizes after he says that and starts over. Oh, so you're saying you think that the two of them were there together sharing the light? Yeah. Oh, Ooh. I didn't even key that they were doing that together. And Me and they've totally foreshadowed that by talking about it. Yep. Dang, wow. nice catch, Kendi. Nice catch. <laughs> Once Patricia starts making the second sandwich, Marsha seizes the opportunity to take the chair and strike Patricia in the back with it, which was was it was smart. Um, she runs yeah. out for help and Casey tries to run too, but Patricia like moves the table in front of her and was like, go to your room. And then, you know, Casey, you watch Casey cause like Casey is used. Casey is kind of a victim in life. So she understands how to, um, avoid survive trouble. the next survive. Yeah. So she follows instructions and heads to her room. Um, Dennis takes over. Yeah, Dennis takes over and chases after Marsha, and Marsha is eventually caught as well and locked in the uh, room by herself right next to uh, Casey. Uh, no, uh, right next to Claire. I was also just going to point out as a as a dislike for this film, she, after she gets her skirt taken away, she's literally just half naked for the rest of the, the rest of her capture. Yeah, or no... Well, I know, I know she's an actor and like she's acting, but like she looks like she's just super uncomfortable for the rest of the film. Like, yeah. why didn't they give her some of Patricia's clothes or some of the clothes that Barry's making? Why didn't Casey take off that that like oversized zip sweater she had so she could tie it around her waist? Because like if I was Casey, that's, that's what I would have done, you know? Because Casey had like thirty six shirts on. I just want to like I was. I was like thinking in my head, oh, okay, he's he's gonna wash their clothes because he's got OCD and doesn't like gross things. No, he never gave them back. Those clothes were gone. I find Miss Patricia so damn interesting. After all of this, she does a line, and I'm gonna let Matt read it because he 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 wanted to look it up. It is, and she she says this. Ooh. Oh yeah. So after this, she tells she tells her to put her hands in contrition. Which I I wasn't sure what that meant, but it sounded cool. And then you see you see her walking like a nun with her hands together in prayer yeah. for him. I was like, that's interesting. Whilst Patricia has her walking in contrition, she's she says this prayer that we've heard her say like two or three times now before. And it is in the sun we find our passion. In the sun, we find our purpose. I found that in a greeting card at the supermarket. It was for a funeral, but I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> so she's sweet. She's a little twisted. Eh. Uh, she's uh, doing the best she can with the card she was dealt. <laughs> After this, it, it goes back to Dr. Fletcher, um, and it's kind of like right after, quote-unquote, Barry left the Dr. Fletcher's office and it's her and her assistant Jai who's the Hooters guy and this is another 
of one of M. Night Shyamalan's uh, Stan Lee moments. It's kind of <laughs> great because like they're just literally at, at the beginning of it, they're literally he's just like talking about how great Hooters is. And Dr. Fletcher's like, dude, it's not that great. Like, <laughs> you're going to poison me with these chicken wings you reheated. <laughs> so they review some security footage outside the building and a trash bin is knocked over and garbage is spilled everywhere. One couple walks around it, but Dennis walks right through it, which is something Dr. Fletcher believes is like an act. It's something deliberate that he wanted to prove a point that he was not OCD. And after this, we see Hedwig or, you know, Casey's all alone now. Casey is 100% in this room by herself. We, we cut in and, and Hedwig is cuddling. He is like spooning Casey. Casey like opens her eyes to Wakes wake up. up. And, and James McAvoy as Hedwig is just is spooning her so hard. He asks to kiss her and... You know, she allows him to, though it's real awkward. And Hedwig then mentions his music collection and how he likes to dance to some Kanye West. He, their kiss is kind of Barbie doll. Oh my god! It's uh, I did I yeah. It's just it's it's so freaking awkward. <laughs> and then and then he he as seriously as you know a little nine year old can say is you might be pregnant. <laughs> and I I just lose. Now. I, I lose it every time because he's just so sincere. It's so cute. I'm like, you oh, might be pregnant this, now. You this, might be pregnant this, now. This baby. Man. I didn't I didn't I didn't use my mouth condom. <laughs> so Casey asked him to show her his room and show her his music collection. And he takes her there and she mentions a window. Or he 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 had mentioned a window, and so she brings it up, oh, and we God. find out that Hedwig's window is a drawing. That's and he's right. got another one under it for the open window. That's right. He has a drawing of a closed window, and it's taped. So if you move the first paper, there's a picture <laughs> of an open window. Which, mm. if this really was a nine-year-old it's just boy, so sad. that would have been hella cute. Okay. <laughs> it's cute, but it's also sad. It's like, I just wanted a window to look out. Man. Man. So Hedwig starts to realize that Casey's not there to dance to Kanye West. She's there to escape. Uh, she becomes frightened and attempts to placate him. Uh, he pulls out a walkie-talkie and Casey slaps Hedwig so hard. Bro. You literally watch McAvoy's face turn 180 degrees. It's <laughs> awesome, bro. Just bleh, and out. then Casey uses the walkie-talkie to start calling for help while fighting off Hedwig. And there's a guy on the other end, and he's like, "Jim, are you messing around?" This Jim, dude. is that a joke, Jim? What nah, are you doing? man. Nah, is if, if you're on a security patrol, I don't care where you work. You take something like that coming through your walkie series somebody says mm -hmm. i need help i'm going to be murdered you might want to call the police that's all i'm saying that's that's you know, all i'm saying get get the get the five o. so her attempt at notifying someone ends kind of disappointingly yeah and dennis is back yeah 
But we do see another little flashback with Casey on a hunting trip with her dad. I'm going to give a big trigger warning here. We see another flashback with little Casey on a hunting trip with her dad not around. Uncle John starts wanting to play. He strips down to his underwear and tells Casey to take off her clothes because animals don't wear clothes. And later, John emerges from behind a rock and we see Casey holding a rifle at him. He manages to take it back from her so that she doesn't pull the trigger. But I gotta say, I know it would have messed her up for the rest of her life, but I really wish she would have. Uh, it was a really messed up scene and that stuff's not funny. And it was just really, uh, it's, it's really, it's really messed up. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why Casey is as strong as she is, you know, cause she's been dealing with pain her entire life. Uh, Claire and Marsha attempt to escape using a wire to unlock the door from outside of Marsha's room because she found a, like, clothes hanger. You know, they're unsuccessful. It's very realistic on the coat hanger and lock, though. You see it, like, it's it's a whole five-minute, like, series mm -hmm. inside the film where she's, like, trying to hook it and she gets it a little just bit. Just getting and more it, frustrated. Yeah. It, it just pop. I, did, I think almost. they did really good on that, you know. Um <laughs> Uh, Dr. Fletcher got about 56 emails saying that they need help and, you know, that, that Dr. Fletcher needs to go, Kevin, or that, that Dennis is out of control. So she goes to Kevin's home and she's greeted by Dennis. And, you know, Dennis just wants to be accepted and Dr. Fletcher tells De Dennis, you know, she thinks that they're extraordinary. And you see an expression, another expression on McAvoy's face that shows the sincerest amount of pride that that one can have. And he invites her inside. She validated his entire existence. And you can see that even he doesn't always appreciate himself right yeah yeah so while they go while they're inside of kevin's quote-unquote house uh they continue to discuss the beast as well as the rest of the horde i don't think we've used that term yet but the horde is what they call the um negative personalities inside the group so like dennis miss patricia the beast yeah. Uh, it, it, it just kind of messed up. Dennis, Barry, Patricia, and Hedwig. I'm sorry. Are the are the horde, and Doctor Fletcher then becomes genuinely terrified. She she says, "There's no way that the beast can be real." Because Kevin's like, "I've seen him. You can't tell me he's not real. I've seen him. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know what he looks like. My homie. He owes me twelve <laughs> bucks. Like we play I, Xbox I, like, every day." <laughs> and okay. she she's like that's not possible there has to be limits and he just crumples mm -hmm. yeah i'm really sorry yeah. you think that um i love his transformation scene but right before that she had ran and she had seen claire and in, uh, inside the closet and Claire has been laying down and trapped in this closet for so long because she was the first one to go into the closet. 
and she's like are you real which is messed up like what how many things has she hallucinated while she's been just in that closet you know what i mean yeah dehydrated and hungry and scared yep it's really crazy so she didn't even get to eat mm -mm. so we find casey inside free inside kevin's domicile and she finds a laptop with videos on every one of kevin's personalities she sees one called orwell who discusses philosophy and another named jade who is diabetic my question is is really is why would he have all these video files of his personalities uh and they were like all on the desktop there was nothing else on the desktop it was just 24 personalities or 23 personalities um but it is cool she watched all the videos and we know that casey's smart and she saw the keys in the video underneath the hat on the hat rack and so she walks over and she pulls off the hat rack and there's the keys and i gotta say she's the smartest captive victim i've ever <laughs> seen in any film like ever out of, out of all just just awesome for sure she's she's got all the survival in her man like she's rolling 20s she's controlling her dice you know like she she knows what's up she knows she's how to beast. play these people yeah uh dennis goes to an abandoned like train car and he transforms into the beast he is significantly taller and stronger than any other identity my favorite my like second favorite shot in this movie is when McAvoy is standing on the train and he's turning into the beast. It's just so cool. He's giant. Like we mm -hmm. see it before, and he's like kind of flabby and really like you know maybe below average height, and then he's irking and and just crumpled on the train floor, like holding onto the seats in the middle of the aisle, and. And then he's just, he just, after all of, like, he's screaming. He is screaming in pain. And then mm -hmm. he stands up and he's like, like eight feet tall in that train car. <laughs> and you can just see the muscles, like, on his back and his shoulders just, like, pushed out. And he's, Ty, I think, I think you noticed something about the police. I don't remember what you said, but the the police saw him at some point. I think. I yeah, the police the the police see him as he's take like he takes he like he like bolts like Usain bolts like whoop, 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 yeah. out of there. And then like the the police are with a dog, and the dog is like row 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 row. And the cop says that you know he only barks like that with animals. But he was barking at the beast, and and that's you know just it's another thing. He changes his scent to an animalistic scent when he becomes the beast. Just so it's many all, changes. Mm -hmm. It's all of that part of the the personality and how they're saying they're changing their brain chemistry with these personalities. Yeah. He returns home and he finds Dr. Fletcher writing on a piece of paper. She grabs a small knife as he crawls on the wall and grabs her. Dr. Fletcher starts trying to stab him, but the knife breaks. And the beast squeezes Dr. Fletcher until her spine snaps, killing her. It's a really gruesome scene to watch. I don't think I've ever seen anybody be squeezed to death. Um, 
it's it's real gnarly uh, the blade yeah. breaks yeah. on on the beast's skin which is also very interesting it's so cool mm. it just snaps right now and he looks gnarly his veins are all popping out and stuff and they're like black yeah his Casey, eyes bro, it looks painful eyes. like continually it he was always pushing out blood out of his mouth. His eyes were all bulged up and, and his veins and his eyes were popping and shit. It, it was intense. It was. Casey gets out and tries to find the other girls. She finds Marsha dead with her stomach having been ripped out. Casey then finds Claire alive. But all of a sudden she gets dragged as the beast starts eating her. Bro, when I mm. saw him <laughs> eating the girls, I would have dipped like I would have dipped so I you she Casey kind of stands there. there for a like like for a couple of seconds to see what's going on, even takes a few steps forward and it's like nah, nah, that was the nah, only she's dumb dead. decision you Time made. To go. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, maybe maybe because it's your first time seeing cannibalism and it's right in front of you in a very horrific way. It's gnarly. Oh, that's true. You, her like brain shock. might have just been blocking her from it, and she just couldn't make sense of it for a minute. Yeah. I Casey, Casey kind of ends up in, I guess, like the main or living room area <clears throat> of the domicile, and she finds a, a note, and it's that note that Dr. Fletcher wrote on, and it says, say his name, Kevin Wendell Crumb. The Beast finds Casey... And the sound effects for the beast breathing are awesome. Like, it's just a crazy noise. Sounds and like an animal, like a horse. It, it does. It's it's so amp, or like a werewolf or something. It's, it's just so, so amped up. Yeah. He starts climbing the walls on all fours, like, oh my god. So Casey just starts, like, repeatedly shouting, Kevin Wendell Crumb, Kevin Wendell Crumb, Kevin Wendell Crumb. Um, and it makes him, like, uh, like climb down from the seat the walls and he like reverts back we briefly see a flashback of kevin's mother yelling at him as a child by saying his full name and telling him he's made a mess and kevin seems to have had an awful childhood and i know from personal experiences that metal hangers are awful to be spanked with kevin's mom had one in her hand and it looked like she was going to use it present day kevin has no memory of what he's done Kevin's been asleep for two years. As Casey tells him he killed Dr. Fletcher, Claire, and Marsha, he tells Casey there's a gun in one of the cabinets and that she has to kill him. He yeah. just has no will to live. None. He sleeps so completely because he he just he just can't live with it. The major identities start to take control all at once. And when McAvoy just cycles through all of the personalities, it is it's really insane. Like it's it's really insane. I don't like it when movies do stuff like that because it's always really overacted. But McAvell did Mac, McAvoy did so well. I didn't lose my immersion in the movie. It, and he he really is just flipping from personality to personality to personality. It's really cool. Hedwig, he finally, you know, he just he pops in into the light like he says he can because he can do it whenever he wants so everyone's like trying to flick her in and stop her from from killing kevin and then hedwig just is just like okay i want to slip in now and then he's just like he's just talking he's just like 
They're gonna believe in me now. They're gonna or something. They're gonna. No one's gonna make fun of me anymore. Yeah, no one's gonna fun make fun of me or any anymore. No one's gonna mess with me, and you know you'll see now. And then he's like, "I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give the light back to, to Dennis and Patricia." Okay, bye bye. Uh. And then there, she he comes back and he's like, "Look, you can scream his name all you want now." Kevin, we put him asleep very far away now, where he won't hear you. Yeah, and then Dennis, Dennis is like, Dennis is like, all right, now it's time for the beast to come out. And then Casey takes <laughs> off, like right as the beast starts changing again. And the pupa yeah. dilation when he turns into the beast is actually really wild. Uh, Miss Patricia makes a comment too during this time where she says that they want. 10 to 12 victims next time this is just a start whoa <laughs> is he powering up on the souls of children i don't understand it's maybe crazy. he just wanted a slow start you know ease into the kidnapping business casey finds some shells and loads them into the gun the bee starts crawling up on the ceiling and starts taking out the lights leaving Casey with no sight to shoot at him. The beast attacks. When the beast knocked Casey over, he took a big old chomp out of her leg. But she gets away. She closes herself in a cage and loads the gun with more shells. The beast starts bending the bars to get back in. And is like blood is coming in between his teeth and... It's, His it's eyes intense. are bleeding. Like, yeah, it's yeah. insane. And she's um, got off a couple of shots on him, and they've just glanced off of him. Yeah, yeah, we get to see it. Like, there's just skin removed there. That's it. All the meat is there still. At so, some point, when they were running, her last shirt or second to last shirt gets ripped off. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Casey cuts herself. And she has scars all over her body. And the beast sees that. And he notices it. And we see another flashback showing little Casey after her father's funeral. And John telling her he will be her new guardian. I want to do awful things to her uncle. And him saying, <laughs> You're, uh, you aren't going to give me any trouble, are you? Is so damn gross. Man. Um, uh, 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 it's, uh, the, the beast then proclaims that Casey is pure hearted and he leaves her alone saying only through pain can you achieve your greatness. The impure are untouched, the unburned, the unslain. Those who have not been torn have no value in themselves, no place in this world. They are asleep. You are different from the rest. Your heart is pure. Rejoice. The broken are the more evolved. Rejoice. It's it's great. <laughs> I have the whole quote. I said the whole quote because it's it's one of my favorites. It's 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 really yeah. powerful. It's wild. Uh, she's just standing there crying because what else are you going to do? 
Yeah. He, yeah. Just, he just saunters off. Yeah, he just leaves. <laughs> like, okay, I'm I, snack I'm on someone else now. Uh, uh, not long after, uh, well, we don't know how long in, in, in time it was for Casey, but not long after for us, a man goes downstairs and finds Casey. He's like, he's like, it's like, he looks like he just got there to start his day and he's smoking that like beginning of the day square. He sees her and he picks her up and he carries her outside to safety. And she's looking around and she sees like a bunch of animals and enclosures and and they walk up to this security hubby and this guy's like call the police we found a girl down there and you see this look on his face like oh no oh. it was real and that was definitely the guy that was on the radio <laughs> yeah. like bro you got Dude's fired. gonna get fired uh, fired medic- sued everything Medics arrive and they take Casey and police show up and they start taking pictures and chronologing chronologing the crime scene. And I really love the shot of all the toothbrushes. This is like a shot of a sink yeah. and it's just like it's just 23 toothbrushes, you know, and and like, then man. and then it shows like a shot of the living room and you see like a clothing rack and it's got all these different crazy types of different clothing and it's it's really cool uh way to show how different they all were yeah they each carved out a little bit of their personalities in the home right they all had a little bit of home it's uh i find it interesting that hedwig has his own room you know i i think uh he was created hedwig because of all of the abuse and then all the other personalities took over so kevin never really got a childhood and I feel like Hedwig was created to give Kevin, like, his childhood back. Mm, some way to experience it. And... We also see Casey sitting in the back of a police cruiser. Uh, a female police officer says that your uncle is here. And are you ready to go? And she just Casey down. learned. Casey learned from this experience. Ugh, let me not cry. Okay, Casey yeah. learned from this experience and she took it with her. And you can see on her face that she's about to tell the police what she's been dealing with since she was I a little hope so. girl. I still hope so, because oh my gosh. And it's a lot. It's a lot. And nah, go through all of that and then go back home. Yeah, that? no, Mm-mm. it really, no. it really hurt Done. me that Casey was like we were watching all these. <laughs> flashes of casey's life and it was it really hurt me that she was still living with that piece of garbage kevin is somewhere by himself with the horde controlling him completely now and patricia says that the beast will protect them now the last scene is in a diner there are people watching a news report of what kevin did the anchor woman mentions how the beast identity displays characteristics of the animals in the in the zoo where he worked a patron mentions that this case is similar to a man in a wheelchair from about 15 years ago Uh, she couldn't remember his name but the man next to her replies mr glass we see that it's david bruce willis's character from unbreakable and a surprise cameo and we cut to one of the coolest credit scenes i've ever seen where it is 23 
individual or 25 individual credit scenes um boom 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 all next to each other in a grid six by four and then the main one coming up through the middle like normal yep. i'd have to look closer to see if like any of the names are changed for right Jane if like mcavoy Roll. is somebody different in each one each one mm -hmm. i hope they did because that would be awesome i personally out of the three movies in this series I would say that this one is by far my favorite. Uh, I've always had a bit of a fascination with, with DID or multiple personality disorder. Give it definitely a... I'm probably going to give this one a 5 out of 5 because it's one of my all-time favorite films. Uh, what about you, Kendi? What do you think? I think it's a strong superhero. Not anti-hero. I don't know what to call it. Villain origin story. <laughs> it's wild ride. Okay. I won't let you down. I love that the I love the superhero uh the supervillain build up and the real villain that he is becoming out of this. But I I like would have appreciated a lot more depth with the rest of the personalities. Okay. And mm -hmm. because of that, I must say like like a 3.5 or like a 3.9 like you in between more there. disrespectful <laughs> i did yeah disrespectful he he's like no we didn't get to see everyone and then do you either of you have any favorite scenes that you want to share when we're first meeting uh dr fletcher she's walking up this beautiful stairwell to her office and we're just rising through, like rising up the spiral of it. And it's just a gorgeous stairwell. It's got great lighting. And it's just a cool shot watching her go around the stairs. And we see it again later, but this time coming, facing the ceiling, going downwards. And there's this, like, I don't know, just really cool uh, stained glass in the ceiling for a skylight. And we also see Dr. Fletcher walking down the street, talking on the phone with another doctor, it seems, telling her, you know, like, cut this whole thing off. What are you doing? They're lesser than us. They have mental issues. And the scene is just beautiful. It's this, like, it looks like a bustling street with autumn leaves falling everywhere and it looks a little chilly but you, you know it's like almost you can feel it and you've been there and she's just walking down the street through it but the camera stays still so you can see the shot it's it's really nice yeah that's a that's a dope shot for sure what about you kindy uh really the opening scene just to highlight again how separate Casey is from everyone else right away. Mm -hmm. I, it's just always beautiful how the discordance with the situations could be shown. Without any lines? Without any lines, because it'll be off-center or through the doorway, like you mentioned earlier, through the slats of the vent and through the slats of the locker when, she, when the other girl was trying to hide. Mm -hmm. It's more how they chose to not show you a room or not 
how they chose to obscure. Yes. Agreed completely. I love it. I agree completely. Well, squad, we had a lot of fun doing this movie and we've got one more to go. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And as always, I have been Tyler. I've been Matt. I'm Kendi. And, and we, we killed, killed it. it. We Killing It podcast is written by us, Tyler Mislick, Kendra Parrish, and Matthew Johnson. Video is shot and edited by Matt, and it is produced, and the sound is done by Tyler. Thank you for listening. Thank you.